And welcome back to the Curiosity Chamber. This is Season 3, Episode 6. And before we even get started, I just want to apologize for the long wait. Sometimes I get busy. Uh, last week, I was in the Denver area for work, so deeply apologize for that, but we're back on track now, and you know the absence hasn't been completely detrimental to the podcast. Some of you are still listening out there, so greatly appreciate that. And without further ado, let's get into it. So with me today is an award-winning humanitarian clown who specializes in anti-bullying, fighting injustice, curing invisibility, and loneliness. This is Bullseye the Clown. Hello, hey, hello. Bullseye. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Oh, thank How are you. you doing? I'm doing great. Nice and hot good, here in Arizona. Good, good. Yeah, what are you, what's the temperature out there for you? I haven't even looked. It's probably like 110. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine that the uh, the clown makeup kind of uh, gets sloppy when it's that hot. Well, it takes a lot of powder. You have to powder, 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 powder. <laughs> so listen, we have a uh, we have a pretty important topic here, right? We're we're going to be talking about cyberbullying, and you know, essentially. Everybody, one way or another, has been a victim of bullying. I'd imagine. So I want to I want to discuss this with you, like how we can mitigate the the ongoing harassment. And you know, before we even dive into that, though, I, I'd like to get a background. Like, uh, what's what's the origin story for you? How did Bullseye <laughs> become to be? <laughs> uh, well, actually, for uh, for many years, I actually was a stand up comedian. So I actually traveled the stand up comedy circuit. And I kind of got disillusioned with that. Um, it was really interesting because most of the comedians that I met were um, some of the most miserable people in the world. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, because yeah, you're, you're sitting there and, you know, you get to certain clubs and certain clubs would tell you, uh, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. You need to say this. You need to say that. And, you know, and it kind of really got to us after a while. So I decided to stop uh, doing stand up comedy. And actually, I just kind of took like a, a normal, regular job. And my dad passed away in 2018. And when my dad died, I remembered watching the movie Patch Adams years ago. And I knew Patch Adams did clown tours. He did these clown tours all over the world. And so when my dad passed away, I decided I wanted to do something to kind of honor my dad. And I decided to go on a clown tour with Patch Adams to Russia. Uh, I had never been a clown before, but I thought, well, I do stand-up comedy. This shouldn't be any different, um, but it was way different. <laughs> it was way different. Um, so um, the, the rule was we had to be in our clown costume from the time we left our house. So I had to like dress as a clown, go to the airport dressed as a clown. Um, I flew all the way to Russia. Uh, I was in Russia for 14 days um, and then flew home. And I was supposed to, and we were in our clown costumes the entire time. He didn't want us to be out of our clown costume. Um, so really it was like a crash course in clowning. Um, and like I said, this is humanitarian clowning in a way. So it's a little different than like doing it for a child's birthday party or um, even on stage. So we were going into like children's hospitals and orphanages and hospices, drug rehab centers um, and doing that oh, kind of thing. So it was, it, it, you know, just being thrown into it. Um, it was a little nerve wracking. And I really honestly never expected to continue clowning once I got home. I thought, okay, this is just like a one-off. This is a one-time thing. But when I saw the power that we had as a clown and some of the amazing things that happened while we were in Russia, 
um, I knew that there was much more to clowning than just putting on a red nose and being funny. So I really saw the power and the impact that we had on all of the people that we encountered. And so once I came that back, seems I thought, like a go ahead. It seems very, very difficult. Like it's just seeing kids in that state, you know, like in hospitals and hospice, how, how do you, how do you keep going? Like after you, you witness that, like to, to keep, you know, that you know, smile you, on it, and trying to cheer them up. You know, and I really thought that would be uh, much more difficult. Once I was there, though, I mean, our rule was make sure that everybody laughs and everybody smiles. And so you were so focused. Uh, you got so focused once you walked into a building that you had to make people laugh. And you kind of forgot. I mean, really, you know, you're trying to, like, pick people up and trying to do all these things. And you, for you kind of forget while you're in the midst of it um, that they are hurting and that they are sick um, because you get lost in the whole um, clowning aspect of it. you get glossed in the whole bringing joy thing. And so, um, and what's really amazing about that is, you know, when I went to Russia, you know, I, my dad had just passed away. So I was kind of grieving because my dad had passed away. I was bullied for years as a kid. And so I had all that hurt and resentment and all that. Stuff. And while you're there in the midst of doing all of that, um, goodness and joy and making people laugh, it also makes you forget about all of the problems that you have and all of the hurt that you have and all of the resentment. Mm -hmm. And so what I found is during that whole entire two week period that I was out there, I didn't once think um, about my dad having passed away. I didn't once think about being bullied as a kid or as even as an adult, it was just, you, we were so focused on bringing joy and bringing happiness that all of that other stuff did not matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful to hear. Um, when you say that you forget about it, when, when you're in that moment, would you consider that putting a bandaid over the issues? Because um, I feel like if, with the bullying, there's a deep root to that, like a root cause. And I, I feel like you, there has to be some kind of therapy or, or something to actually, you know, understand where this is coming from and, and talk it out or some kind of intervention by a doctor or therapist? Well, I mean, quite honestly, I've never, um, I've never gone to a therapist. <laughs> so, um, but actually, you know, I, I truly believe when I came back from that tour um, and then I was actually in my own home and um, going back to my, my own life, it, it was amazing how that clowning experience um, really made all of that stuff go away. I mean, whenever I came home, I still no longer, worried about any of that stuff. I, um, oh, I mean, I'm wow. not going to okay. say, I'm not going to say that it cured me, but, um, you know, Patch yeah. Adams, um, does wonderful work and he, you know, he even actually takes, um, there's a, there's a video on YouTube, um, that he made, um, which would be great to watch sometime for everybody. It's called clown vets. He actually took, uh, veterans with, um, post-traumatic stress and he took them into, um, another country and made them clown. Um, just like I did in Russia for, I don't know how long they were there, maybe seven to 14 days. And, you know, a lot of these guys are like these, these big buff guys and they did, they didn't want to go. They're like, we're, they're like, we're not going to put on a clown nose and we're not going to wear go. a tutu yeah. and go into a children's hospital. Are you crazy? <laughs> so, yeah. um, but he did that. <laughs> and I mean, and some of these people were, were well on their way to, you know, um, having mental breakdowns and things like that as far as before they went and, you know, they couldn't even hear a door slam in their own home without, you know, jumping under a bed or going crazy. And 
Um, when you yeah. watch that, you, you see the transformation that every single person who went with him had by doing this clowning experience. And, you know, essentially you, you, that is therapy then. It is. Yeah. I mean, th this is, this was its own sort of therapy. I mean, it really is amazing. I mean, I, I honestly would recommend to any, anybody who's been bullied, um, or, um, has been even in like domestic abuse situations or anything like that. I would seriously recommend doing something like this, like a clown tour, um, and focusing on other people. Um, and yeah. in the fact that you're focusing on other people, um, you actually can cure yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something to that, right? Making people feel good also makes you feel good as well. Right. There's definitely something to that. I feel great when I help people out, you know, just right. a random day, whatever it is, someone needs something. I'm, I'm always going out of my way to help somebody just because, I mean, maybe it sounds selfish, but it helps me out like mentally so much. Well, yeah, that, that was like the, uh, uh, what I call the unexpected side effect. You know, I mean, I knew that while we were there, you know, it, you know, and we put out a lot of energy. So we would go into a hospital for maybe like two hours. And for that two hours, we're putting out so much energy, we would come back to the bus and we would just kind of crash in the bus while we were going yeah. to our next, uh, next place. And we were so, uh, mentally and physically depleted. Um, but then at the end of the day, it's amazing how wonderful you felt because you knew that you did a lot of wonderful things during that day. And so you, you kind of focused on all of the good that you did and didn't focus on any any little bad thing that might have crept up while you were while you were out there. Right. 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 Are you are you traveling to this day still? Yes, uh, yeah, actually we're, um, I'm actually going to go to Morocco with Patch Adams in October. Um so we're going to go there oh, for no uh, way. Uh, eight or nine days, yeah. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, so you just that first experience you had Something happened, right? And you just can't get enough of it. It did. I mean, if you if you got the time, I mean, I can tell you like a couple of the things that happened, and uh, you can kind of. You know, one of the, oh, yeah. one of the things that uh, you know he made it a point to tell us was that no matter where we went, we were to make everybody laugh and to make you know don't don't skip anybody. And so we ended up going into this hospice um, where all of these seniors were actually um, you know very close to the passing away and. So we were told that we were allowed to go yeah. into any of the rooms. And so we would go into the rooms and we would clown with them, each person for maybe, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes. And then we'd move on to the next room. And so when we were done, there was one little room that was left and I started to go in and the doctors were like, no, 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 you can't go in there. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to go into every room, <laughs> you know? And they're like, no, you can't go in there. And I said, why oh, not? No. I said, what's in this room? And they said, oh, it's a lady. Her name is Helena. She's very, very angry. Uh, nobody's ever come to visit her since she's been here. She'll throw things. She'll cuss at you. <laughs> and uh, that's sad. Yeah. And so if you've ever seen the movie Patch Adams, you know that um, Patch oh, Adams never li yeah. never listens to anybody. He would just go in the room. <laughs> so so the so the minute the doctors walked away and they went into a different room, I, I kind of snuck into this room. Because <laughs> I thought, well, you know, she cusses at me in Russian. I don't know Russian, so uh, I won't know what she's saying anyway. <laughs> You're right. Uh, and I figure I'm young. I can probably duck if she throws something. So, um, so I just started by walking in the room and blowing some bubbles toward her. And her, she was actually sitting in her bed, and her head was facing the wall and not looking toward the door. And so, uh, finally, a bubble kind of wafted across where her face was, and she kind of turned to look over at me and. Uh, at that time, I had these big giant moose antlers on my head, you know, <laughs> so I, I can't imagine what she thought when she turned around, saw this clown with yeah. a red nose and giant <laughs> moose antlers on her head. <laughs> but 
Um, and I was expecting her to throw something. So she patted the side of her bed and had me come over and sit down. And oh, so, wow. Yeah, I couldn't really uh, communicate. That was one of the toughest things about Russia, too, was most everybody spoke Russian and I only spoke English. And so I didn't have verbal communication with them. So it really was all physical. And so I just kind of sat down on the bed and I kind of held up the bottle of bubbles and I was trying to teach her how to blow bubbles. And, you know, it says she was in hospice. She was very, very weak. So she tried to blow a bubble and uh, like only one bubble came out. And I was trying to say, no, you have to blow a little harder, you know, get a little bit more bubbles to come out. And so I showed her again. And so she tried it again and maybe like two bubbles came out. And I was like, no, no, you really got to just take a deep breath in and blow out. And so she tried it <laughs> one more time and she, she breathed in really deep and she blew out and bubbles flew all across the room and then her teeth also flew clear across the room so i was sitting over there and I'm, and I'm running over there trying to find her teeth and she is laughing i mean <laughs> laughing very very loud i'm like be quiet be quiet we're gonna get in trouble i'm not even supposed to be in there <laughs> so i finally find her teeth and i pick her teeth up i'm like i found your teeth and just at that moment the doctor walks in and sees me like holding her teeth in my hand and oh my god <laughs> she's laughing hysterically <laughs> and oh, red-handed yeah yeah exactly i mean i look like the international <laughs> tooth thief you know <laughs> <laughs> tooth fairy does exist <laughs> exactly yeah and uh but what i was able to get out of the doctor because i mean he knew a little bit of english and he said you know since she's been here, I have never heard this woman laugh. And so incredible. So that was like, it was incredible moments like that, that made me like, okay, there is something to this. And, you know, I don't yeah. know how much longer she lived after I left, but you know, I'm like, you know yeah. what, for whatever, for whatever it was, I was able to make her laugh um, during some of her, her bleakest time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really wonder from her perspective, I mean, She's been probably miserable since she's gotten there and who knows how long that's been going on for. But, you know, just to just to find joy on your essentially could be your darkest days, you know, your moments away from passing away. And then some complete stranger who doesn't even speak Russian enters the room, you know, and just you find joy. You didn't even speak the, the same language. Right. And that yeah. says so much. There's that, a that was what was there, difficult. Sure. Yeah, that was. That was the most difficult thing. And what I, and it was really funny, you know, I, I had like little boys come up to me and he was like trying to, trying to speak into Russian. And I don't, I don't know what he was saying, but he was going on and blah, 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 blah. And I'm, and so, you know, I just, as a clown, I was kind of doing the same thing back. I go, and he'd go, no, no, no. And then he would try it again. And finally he got so frustrated with me. He says, do you speak English? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you speak English. <laughs> So I, I found out that most of the kids in Russia knew uh, knew English. It was the parents who didn't know English. So a lot of the parents kind of instill yeah. in their children over there that they should speak uh, English in case they ever come to, to America or whatever. So in case they come into contact with an English speaking clown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. Those are those are good stories. Um, I want to ask you. Do you think bullying is worse now than it's ever been? Like in schools, sports camps, I mean, corporate offices, even cyberbullying is big. And, you know, the a thing that keeps coming back into my mind, what just recently happened, which is very shameful, was when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on national TV. Right. And then it was 
it was accepted almost like he right he didn't get escorted out he won an award on the same day and everyone <laughs> was cheering for him i mean this man right the, he literally just slapped i mean I, you can call that bullying right he physically oh, yeah, abused absolutely someone. um absolutely yeah and, and um he's bigger I'm, I'm kind of kind of torn i don't know if it's more prevalent now than it ever has been or if we just didn't call it bullying back, like whenever I was growing up, I mean, right. I'm 50, I'm 51. So, yeah. I mean, I was bullied as a kid, mm -hmm. but it was just, you know, at that time was, oh, boys will be boys or kids will be kids. And this is yeah, the phase exactly. they're going through. They'll grow out of it. Um, but no, I, I, I honestly really think um, really even within the last five or six years, it's, it's, it's really gotten out of control. I mean, I mean, how many people do you see on planes that are, you know, um, getting into physical right. altercations, you see, you see people yeah. uh, getting in physical altercations at a drive-through at McDonald's for heaven's sake, you know, because they didn't get enough nuggets or <laughs> whatever it happens right, to be. Right. Um, but no, I, I think that it's really gotten out of hand, and I think that um, people are just not knowing how to control it, you know. Uh, and and I think part of it comes from even the person who, from the bullying side, the person who is being who is actually bullying somebody else. I, I just don't think that they know how to harness their anger and, you know, when they should exhibit that and, you know, and, and alternate avenues for um, getting that anger and that angst out, you know? Yeah, it's almost, I almost think that if they went on a clowning tour that most bullies actually um, could learn something. I almost think that should be part of like their, their therapy as well is like, okay, well, you know, you're out there hurting people. Let's see what you do when you have to go into some place and you have to see, you know, a lot of these hurting people that have been hurt by others. Um, right. now, yeah. And now your job is to make them laugh and to bring joy to them. Um, I think that that could actually turn some of them around. I think you're right. And you know, the, the shameful part is a, a lot of these kids, are abused in their homes that end up becoming yes. bullies. Mm -hmm. So, so it's like, it doesn't really make much sense to me because you know, it doesn't feel good. You're being bullied at home. So why do it to someone else? You know, you hate the feeling. So why, why pass that on? Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I mean, I could have gone that same way as well. I mean, I could have been exactly like right. that. I, I, you know, I was bullied mm -hmm. at school, but I also had grew up with an alcoholic, um, abusive stepfather. So I, I would get it at school and then I would get it whenever I came home. So, um, yeah, but I think also for from the bully standpoint, as far as that situation goes, you know, they feel so out of, con uh, helpless when they're at home, say if they're being bullied by their parents, they feel so when they go to school, they want to feel empowered and then they want to, they want to be the one in power. So I think that's what's gives them their, um, I don't know, their motivation, I guess, to, to continue to bully. Um, and, you know, I actually got a letter uh, online maybe, hmm, maybe like four or five years ago from a kid who bullied me whenever I was in school. And, oh, uh, I just, yeah, and I, and I just wrote a, a book on bullying and I actually included that letter in the book. Um, and so I actually decided to carry on a conversation uh, through quite a few emails with my bully. Um, just kind of asking, you know, well, why did you do it? And, and, you know, a lot of them, like he was, uh, he was a mixed race. And so he kind of got bullied. Um, and so he actually bullied me in order to fit in with some other guys so that, uh, he would seem cool yeah. to other guys. So I think a lot of times bullies do that kind of thing where they, they bully people just to fit in. 
Um, and they're like, you yeah. know what, if, I, if I'm bullying somebody else, nobody will bully me kind of thing. That's one of the scariest things. I always say this. One of the scariest things is a group of teenage boys because they're always trying to one up each other and their exactly. brains aren't fully developed. So it's it can get real scary if you come across that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what's your uh, what's the book about? <laughs> well, the book is called Bullseye on Bullying, uh, My Blueprint to Beating uh -huh. the Bullies. So most of the chapters are, you know, what you can do if you are being bullied. And, you know, and I tried not to just put in the cliche things that everybody else puts in the book, um, you know, because I mean, every mm -hmm. every bullying book you read is going to say, you know, tell somebody you're being bullied. And, you know, and, and that's sure. true. You should let somebody know. But by all means, don't expect things to change just because you've told somebody. Um, a lot of times you might tell a teacher and it may never go further than that teacher. That teacher may never pass it on or, or do anything about it. So um, just be aware that just because you've told somebody um, and actually sometimes if you tell somebody and, and the bully knows that you told the teacher, um, it may actually get worse. Yeah. So, um, so it's things like that that I put in the book and, you know, okay, so if, even though you tell somebody, you better still make sure that you're on guard um, <laughs> and, and give some other practical advice that you can do um, in order to avoid the bully. Real life scenarios, not just, you know, that, right. that broad pain with a broad brush. Yeah. Go tell someone and then all your problems will go away. Exactly. Not, you know, that's not real I mean, life. I mean, I, I mean, I read stories every single day, you know, I, I mean, I follow bullying online. So it's like, I, I really watch it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, there are so many times where, you know, kids are bullied at school and then they tell the, the teacher and they tell the principal and then and it goes no further. And so the kid feels like, you yeah. know, nobody's listening. And then, um, that child ends up committing suicide because nobody is listening and taking him seriously. So, um, so it's like, I wanted this to be kind of a, I mean, it's not a very big book, you know, it's just a very small, like 70 page book, but at the same time, yeah. um, I tried to pack, I tried to pack a lot of information in it and make it almost like a little handbook, you know, um, cause I have like little, little chapters on everything like, you know, um, you know, cyberbullying, like, as you mentioned at the top of the show, um, is one of the things that I tackle yeah. because that is probably. Um, the most predominant one we're seeing now, we're seeing that a lot is, you know, especially from even politicians, you see politicians bullying people online and calling people names. And, oh, God, um, yeah. and so those are the people who are supposed to be setting examples and, and they're not doing a very good job with that. <laughs> so I agree. I agree. Yeah. The issue is, you know, cell phone doesn't leave your side. And I say this time and time again, we're like cyborgs because the, your phone never, ever leaves your hand. And now you have all these social media platforms and you just can't disconnect from it. Like back when, uh, when I was young too, we didn't have cell phones. Like we weren't, we didn't, we had some called, what was it? MySpace, I think it was. So oh gosh, yes. Social media, <laughs> social media aspect wasn't in full, you know, full force yet. But when you got home, I mean, you can, you can just be away from the bullying. I mean, right. unless they made house calls. But exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I say. You know, back yeah. back in my day, the bullies made house calls, you know, <laughs> they, they, made they would just show up yeah. on your doorstep and pull your underwear up over your head or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays, like everyone's so addicted to social media that bullying is just 24 hours a day in some cases. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I found, so you know, and that's one of the things I, one of the things I talk about in the book too is, you know, if I had to pick the worst um, social media platform for anybody to be on, especially if, if you're bullied at school, I would say do not yeah. get on Twitter. Twitter seems to be the worst one as far as 
because you can't really um, control who's friends with you on Twitter. You know, anybody can kind of just friend you on Twitter or like you on Twitter. You know, with Facebook, you know, I always get an alert, you know, so-and-so wants to be your friend. Well, the first thing I do is I go onto their, their profile and I'll, and I'll actually scroll through their profile quite far um, before I ever accept anybody. Cause if they're on their Facebook uh, feed and then they're calling people names and they're uh, they have like a lot of bad stories on their feed, I refuse them and I, and I block them. I, I don't allow them to, to be a friend of mine. So, I mean, you know, I only have like maybe 1200 friends on Facebook and, you know, and, I, and I've turned quite a few people away just because that's a platform that I feel I can control. Um, uh, for the most part, I think right. I can control Instagram right. as well. Right. I, I can, you know, um, Instagram seems to be one. I know a lot of people can friend you on there, but so far, knock on wood, um, I haven't had any bullying on there. Um, but I have actually deleted my Twitter uh, accounts two or three times and, <laughs> and, and I still have an account on it. Twitter, but I, but I do not use Twitter. I, I probably, if you look at my Twitter account, I probably have tweeted maybe 10 times. Um, I just, I don't like that platform. And like I said, I just find it to be where, where bullies tend to go and they hide behind a username yeah. and a, um, and so I, I personally just choose not to use that. Um, that's kind of my own. Twitter is a, a, a pit of hate is what yes. it seems like. You're not kidding. Like most of the comments in there are just so negative. Like you can, you can say that the sky is blue and someone will just get pissed off about it and start exactly. arguing with it. But, you know, <laughs> I think people have too much time on their hands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Go do yes. something. Go help. Exactly. And like if you, actually, if you actually put all that time into uh, doing nice things for other people, just imagine how different the world would be. Yeah, it's like those, uh, I'm sure all of us have this instance in their life, like the old people that <laughs> your neighbors, they don't have much to do. And as soon as you walk on their lawn, they're barking at you, get off my lawn, Right. get off. <laughs> they don't have anything to do, right? They're, right. they're not stimulating well, themselves. They're not yeah, doing exactly. anything. Exactly. Well, I, I live in a community that's mainly seniors. And it's, it's funny, you just walk down the street in this community and you can see like the curtains open up and people are peering through their window because they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're trying to see what's <laughs> right. happening out on the street, you know? <laughs> it's kind of the same thing you know yeah. twitter's twitter's kind of like that it's just kind of like people will kind of peek into other people's lives yes. and and they feel like they need to comment you know i, I guess i grew up in the yeah. day and age my mom told me if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything at all well yeah <laughs> that did yeah. that didn't Those happen a lot today <laughs> so the it's not always black and white i mean i think there's another side of the coin that we should discuss here and that's kind of playing the victim card you know if someone's doing something wrong and they get reprimanded like some people may say they were bullied yeah but in reality you know they were just you, you got to take accountability at some time you know what i mean yes. so there was this moment at, at the gym and this kid was on his cell phone head down and i'm i was trying to walk out the door and he just he opened it really quick and then shut it on me and kept his head down. And I wanted to say something, but you know, I don't want to come off as a bully or mean, or I don't know if he's having like a horrible day. So all those thoughts go through my head, but you know, like maybe it could be very sensitive and I don't want to like put him further down the hole if he's in one, but at, at some point there's got to be accountability. There, there does. And I think that's, you know, um, I remember reading a story a while back. It was, um, it was about a girl who bullied somebody at school and her dad um, 
made her walk to school with a sign on her and he followed her in the car, uh, basically saying I'm a bully or whatever. And it was funny because people had such strong reactions to what he did. You know, well, you were bullying her by public shaming her. And, and I said, you know, there is a difference between public shaming somebody for no reason and disciplining yeah. somebody. So that, that's something I do cover in the book is the difference between discipline, public shaming. Um, because you know what? I, I feel if you're out in public and you're bullying somebody and then somebody calls you out yeah. about that, um, you put yourself into that situation by bullying somebody out in public. Um, and so I guess yeah. I have a, a more controversial <laughs> look on that is because I, I don't feel that that is bullying. I feel, I feel that that in, in itself is if a father makes somebody walk to school with a sign on themselves that says, uh, I'm a bully, look at me kind of thing. Um, I, I feel that that's just basically a way of disciplining them and trying to get them to understand that what they're doing is wrong. Um, so yeah. it basically, like, like you just said a minute ago, it, it's, he's trying to make her take accountability for the actions that she put onto somebody else. Yeah. Now, yeah. some people might not and see then, it that way. They might see that, 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 and that was where the, the controversy came in was that most people thought that, that dad exactly. was then bullying the, the girl. Um, I guess I didn't yes. take it that way. And I guess since I've been bullied my whole life, I just felt it was kind of the dad's way of standing up for the person that um, was bullied by his daughter. So. So what do you do in that situation? Right. I mean, it, it we're such complex species. Like there's always something when you're trying to do something right, someone will find something wrong. And oh, absolutely. So on, absolutely. So <laughs> well, yeah. just, just like you mentioned yeah. earlier, you know, I mean, I guess I was really surprised, you know, when the whole thing on the Oscars happened and, um, yeah. And, you know, I was, I was amazed at how many people applauded Will Smith for what he did, you know, Oh, Chris Rock exactly. had it coming was, or was, Chris Rock shouldn't have said anything about his wife or, but at the yeah. same time, you got to kind of look at, you know, does the, does the punishment fit the crime kind of thing? I mean, Chris Rock told a joke because that's what mm -hmm. comedians do. They're standing up there, you know, it wasn't even that bad of a joke either. Well, exactly. It and, you know, it's like, honestly, I had no idea that there was anything wrong um, or medically wrong with uh, Will Smith's wife. So, I mean, I really don't think that that's what he meant by it. You know, um, I don't think that it was right. meant to yeah. be, you know, it was just, it was, it was not even that great of a joke. <laughs> so, right. yeah. uh, but, at, but at the same time, you, you there There's are parameters. I mean, you know, you would just never walk up on a stage in the middle of like a concert mm -hmm. and smack the singer in the face. I mean, that's just not something that you do. Um you know, there right. are unwritten rules, I guess. And I always thought that that was definitely an unwritten rule that, you know, you just don't walk up on a stage and smack somebody in the face for, you know, something that they said. That man acted like he was on a movie set. Like, that's right. what it looked like. Uh -huh. He looked like he was on a movie set. The way he slapped him and then turned around, like, kind of did something with his coat jacket, like, and cut. It was so, it was so bizarre. Well, like, in, I mean, in a way, then I have to know. A lot of us thought that it was staged and like, we're like, what just happened? Was that planned? Because at first we kind of thought it was planned. I thought it was. For sure. Yeah, I definitely thought it was because it was just so bizarre. And then he started swearing on national TV. And then his kid, like monkey see, monkey do. So then his kid was, was posting some tweets, the thing that we shouldn't be on Twitter. And he's like, right. that's what happens <laughs> when, you, when you put my uh, family in your mouth. Like that's what happens. You know, so now his kid is like all about it. And 
Right. And, see, and then, his, then his kid's going to so, grow up to be exactly the same way. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, so America, that's, that's yeah. the bad thing is you've got half, half of America who was in one camp and you got yeah. the other half of America who was in the other camp. And so, you know, I, I find it interesting when people are being bullied and people can find a, a way to justify it. Yes. Yes. There's mm-hmm. always division. That's yeah. a shame. Yeah. It's my team against your team always. And we're having a really hard time finding that middle ground. Yeah. I don't know. Um, are school shootings a direct result of bullying, would you say? Or is there more? Well, I, you know, I, I think kind of. Um, you know, as I talked yeah. about earlier, I don't think that, um, you know, for some of these kids who are bullied, you know, I, I, I would hazard to say that probably if you, you did a poll on every school shooting that we've had in, let's say, the last five or six years, and you really kind of delved mm-hmm. into the the psyche of the the shooter i would hazard to say that probably at least a good 90 to 95 percent of them if not all of them were probably bullied at school and that's why they did what they did now that's not uh, a justification that's in no way a justification for what they did Um, but as i said earlier you know we need to find a way for them to harness that anger and this is not the appropriate way for them to do that um and so you know that's 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 something else i cover in the book i mean you know I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know, if, you know, we need to find out, I don't know if you want to paint or you want to, you know, you know, build houses mm-hmm. or e- even go outside and do target practice outside, you know, uh, like in the woods or something, right. just, just do something to that you can get that anger out of your system without actually hurting somebody. Um, anything else than taking away a family member because they're right. all sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. I mean, that's got to be the hardest thing in this world. I have a five-year-old and, you know, if anything ever happened to him, I would, like, I would feel like my life is over. So right. I, I can't even fathom when this kind of stuff happens. Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, in some ways it's almost like the people who, you know, leave suicide notes and who are, who are, the, I, I think that these, uh, these shooters are almost, it's almost a cry for help. Um, but I, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of times the signs are there way earlier and then we're, we're just not getting them. We're just not seeing them. Um, I don't know if they're telling somebody that they're being bullied. Maybe they're not. Um, you know, that's actually what I should do is I should actually do like a, an in-depth study on like every single one of these and kind of figure out, you know, what is it that, uh, that kind of drove them to where they were and, and, and what we, you know, what, what we could have done to intercept a lot yeah. of that before it even gets to that point. Um, I'm sure at the same a lot time, of I'm things, thinking, a lot of cases align. Yeah. And like I said, and, and partly, I mean, I, I, this is not going to be a, <laughs> this is not going to be a podcast about gun control, but still, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give you a bad rating because we talk about this, but, but at the same time, you know, I mean, as a, as a, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, I was growing up in what the, the 1980s. I mean, I would have had no idea where yeah. on earth to go get a gun in 1980. Right. You know what I mean? You know, even if I even yeah. if I was mad at somebody, I would have no idea back then where I could even go get a gun. Here, you can go. You can go get a gun on your street corner. Yeah, you open a bank account and you get a gun. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Um, right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think so, an issue is that they um, they 
publicized. Like they show it on the media too much. Yeah. And, yeah. And give that person like 10 minutes of fame or whatever. And then copycats will see that. And think I, know, I even saw a know, news story the other day on how to make a gun with your computer. Like, a, you know, those, those computers that have like, uh, what are they called? 3d printer yeah yeah i even saw like a story on that i'm like okay why are you <laughs> why are you showing this story right. on television <laughs> showing people how to make yeah. a gun with a 3d printer that's all we need <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah the media has to be disciplined in that regard i mean you can't and sometimes i think they tell too much i mean you know sometimes the, the, not everything I needs to so. be said you know i agree i agree yeah and you know I kind of believe that, and I, I'd have no information to back this up, like no facts, but just a personal belief that our our society is over-medicated mm -hmm. as far as like antidepressants or antipsychotics. In a lot of cases, like you see, you hear about these shootings, you see them, and then the background gets checked and, you know, they were on a Prozac or, you know, you name it, they were on it. And I, I feel like that does some harm to desensitizing people from, you know, human feeling like i don't care how they feel you know i'm just gonna blast up this school who gives a sh who gives a shit and it's not my problem i'm gonna be done with it at the end just because they're so desensitized and uh, detached from reality a lot of people yes the the medications can probably help them yes yes but just there's a fine line in my personal belief that there's a link to that Oh, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I, and that's, that's kind of Patch Adams whole, whole mission, you know, Patch Adams, yeah. believe it or not, if you've ever seen that movie, he's actually a doctor. I mean, he's a medical doctor and he believes that most people are over-medicated that we're, we're treating the symptoms um, and we're not treating the actual person that a lot of times, you know, most people can be cured more through personal connection and kind of knowing the person yes. and kind of getting down deep into their soul as opposed to just throwing, like you said earlier, the Band-Aid on something, throwing a Prozac yeah. at them, desensitizing them to something, mm -hmm. when in fact it's it's that feeling that they need to to get back to. They need to figure out you know, how to deal with these feelings and not just put something on there to mask the feeling that they're having. Right, exactly. You're spot on. I went to, a couple of years ago, I went to the doctor and, you know, it, the winters are really harsh out here. Like it's it's always gray for like, seven months so sometimes i'll get some depression i mean it's not it's not who i am but it happens sometimes when you go through these gray states mm -hmm. for just weeks on end and the first thing that the doctor wanted to put me on was an antidepressant i'm like that's <laughs> that's not the answer that can't be the answer no because then i'll be stuck on that for you know the rest of my life perhaps right it's not the answer so I, that's why i brought that up it was just kind of alarming how much they wanted to push an antidepressant on me. Well, I mean, the, the, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's amazing how we're getting into these <laughs> tangents, but at the same time, um, <laughs> but, but it is Curiosity amazing. You know, I mean, I, I truly believe that, you know, uh, a lot of these doctors get kickbacks for a lot of these medication companies. Hey, the more people you can they put on Prozac that. or whatever the new drug is, this is their new drug. If you can get 10 people on this yeah. drug, we'll give you a, you know, $10,000 or whatever it happens you can't tell me that doctors don't get kickbacks from a lot of this stuff. Cause I'm sure they do. See, you understand, you get it. You get it. <laughs> yep. I get it. Yeah. yeah we got it. We got it. I might be, a, I, might, I might be a clown, but I'm smarter than I look. <laughs> we got to stop incentivizing things like that. 
Right. You know what I mean? And then as far, I'm not going to go off on a tangent on this, but <laughs> as far as like president, we can't, um, I th- actually the government, they have to be like a, a not for profit. I believe there's right. too much money being made in the politicians. There's so much. All right. And I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a way just to like give us all a chance, man, like a, a level playing field. And when you throw money onto it, some shisty things are going to go, are going to go down. Well, yeah. I mean, just, you know, just as far as healthcare goes, if you put every politician on the healthcare that most of us get, um, <laughs> and make them pay what we have to pay and get the kind of results that we get. I mean, they would change their yeah. tune. I mean, if they had to go and have the same kind of health care that we did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, a very good point because mental health is so important. You know, you have to live with yourself every second of every day. And I, I took this into consideration and really made it like a priority of mine, mental health. So I do whatever I can, my mental health above all. So I, I don't like, yeah, people will say things to me too online and Instagram or social media, whatever. I don't even, that doesn't even make it into me at all. Like I'll, I'll glaze over it and that's it because these people that are criticizing me, like they, they don't have to live with me. I live with me. So it should be what I care. I should be the one, like if I'm criticizing myself, I should I should learn from that. Like my judgment is over everyone else's to myself, if that makes sense. No, that, that does make sense. And like I said, to me, there's something more powerful than the, the, in a delete button than there is in me saying something nasty back to somebody. So if somebody's on my social media, right. they're, they're blasting something. I said, you know what? I feel more empowered just to hit the delete button, delete their comment and block them off of my, my sure. newsfeed. Sure. Um, then if I, you know, and if I really feel like I need to say something, then I'll say something to them. You know, I, I mm-hmm. and here's how I usually preface. I tell people, if you're going to, if you're going to talk to a cyber bully, first say something nice about them, get your dig in, say something nice about them, then delete them. That way they can't come back and respond. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 101. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the cyber bullying 101. So how you get back at a cyber bully, <laughs> say something nice. Thank you so much for uh, commenting on my Facebook post, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. you're, you you're your completely, <laughs> you're completely crazy and don't know what you're talking about, but I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And then you, you, you send it off and then you just hit delete so that you, you don't, you delete them off your page. <laughs> I'd be so confused. <laughs> so, Wait, yeah. What? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. yeah. That way you get the last so, thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Let me ask you if you could, um, if you can give one tip for being happy, what would it be? Like, what can people do to, to kind of look for, for happiness? This may not be the answer you're looking for, but I always, and this probably, if you had told me this maybe five or six years ago, this wouldn't have been my answer. But really, in order to be happy, you need to do um, whatever you can to make other people happy. It's kind of like give people what they yeah. want and then in turn, they give you what you want. So um, I think that if you, live your life trying to make other people happy um, in turn, that'll make you a much happier person as well. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. That's, that's the answer I wanted to hear for sure. Cause I do that in my everyday life. Yeah. And, and you know, before, to be a pretty happy person. So, and you know, when I was younger, that wasn't my thing. I always thought, you know, okay, you know, why can't I get this? And, and you know, 
why isn't anybody being nice to me and blah, blah, blah. Well, at the same time, I, I mean, it wasn't that I was mean to other people, but I just didn't really give it a thought. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing yeah. things to be nice to other people just for no reason at all without expecting something in return. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until really I started doing the clowning that I just started being nice to people and having fun with people, regardless of whether I got anything back from them or not. Cause what I found out was I was getting something back. I just may not have knew it at the time. Yeah, you're right. And you know, I, I think that in some cases puts us at a disadvantage because I'm like to everyone, I'm nice. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I, like I, I already came in terms with myself. Like I know why I'm put on this earth to try and make people happy. I'll do whatever I have to do, but people will take advantage of that. And, you know, a lot of people have a hard time being nice to other people. So if someone's mean to me, I, I just, I don't care. I'll still be nice to you. <laughs> you know, you can walk all over me. I'm happy with myself. I know who I am. It, right. doesn't, it does not bother me. And a lot of times that'll tick them off. I mean, if, if somebody's trying to be mean to you and you're being nice to them and, and the, the meaner they get, the nicer you get, it really ticks them off. They're like, this is crazy. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> That's so funny. That's, yeah, that's one way to handle it. So what made you want to become a clown? Was it just after your dad passed in the patch, Adams? Or was really, there yeah. something more to that? Um, you know, like I said, I, I just saw, once I saw the power um, that clowning had, not only on yeah. the people that I encountered, but on, on myself. Um, and, you know, it's kind of it's a unifying thing. You know, even whenever I was in Russia, the first thing I would do, we would go into like a, an orphanage or, um, a, a school and, um, the, the kids would rush you, you know, you'd have a hundred kids coming up to you. Oh my gosh, it's the clowns. It's the clowns. I'm like, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and the first thing I always did is I scanned the entire room and I looked and I tried to find a child who, um, who was not involved and not doing anything, you know? And so that's the one yeah, that I wanted to reach. Right. It was, that was, that was my goal was to reach somebody that wasn't uh, interested, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. um, cause usually there's a reason, you know, I don't know if they're the outcasts of the school or they're the, they're the ones who were bullied or the whatever. So, you know, one of the, uh, one of the first places that we went, I noticed there was a little girl and she wasn't being involved. And so I sat down beside her and she took a look at me and she got up and she moved to a different chair. And so oh. I went over and I sat down beside her at the new chair and she looked at me and she got up and she moved. And we did this all the way around this gymnasium. I mean, so this took like maybe 15 minutes. We were for 15 minutes. We just oh spent going. So then I just reached into my bag and I grabbed a bottle of bubbles and I started blowing bubbles. And then she decided to come over and sit down beside me because she was fascinated. And then I turned and gave her a dirty look and I got up and I moved to a different chair. <laughs> and so eventually yep. like we did the whole same thing going around. So we ended up going around the gym one more time. This time she was kind of following me. And so finally, when we did this twice, then I gave her the bubbles um, and she started blowing the bubbles, but it was just, tr it's trying to reach those people. Uh, you know, I, at the top of the show, we talked a little bit about loneliness um, and it is, there are, there are a lot yeah. of people who, and loneliness, I think, is attached to it, this invisibility. There are a lot of kids who feel like they're invisible. Um, maybe they're not the popular kid at school. People don't play with them. You're the last one picked on the team, whatever it happens to be. That, that was me as a kid. I mean, I always felt like, you know, 
I was a little fat kid and I could be, I could be seen by everybody. So it was amazing to me how I became invisible at times. I'm like, how am I invisible? I'm like, wait, 300 pounds. How am I invisible? You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> was it more was difficult being bullied or being lonely in your perspective and your experience? Um, that, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I never really thought about it, but I guess, I guess it would be, uh, more difficult difficult being lonely i would guess because i guess if you're being bullied at least somebody's paying attention to you i mean i know that sounds terrible That's but I mean, you, you've seen those kids i'm sure like in the supermarket who um just to get attention from their parents they they cause a scene you know yeah. Some, oh, yeah. For, for some kids, that's the only time their parents will pay attention to them is when they're they're causing a scene in the store um at home they probably don't give them a, a second look so yeah i would say loneliness and, and i honestly think that probably um, we were talking about those uh, school shootings earlier. Um, loneliness might be a factor for a lot of those, those people who are shooters in the schools as well. Maybe that's, maybe that's, yeah, what, right. maybe that's the problem, that's you link. know, because most of them didn't have a lot of friends. I mean, really, if you look at them, um, and you, you study their lives, you'll see that, you know, everybody said, well, I mean, he seemed like a nice kid, but we really didn't know him because, you know, I don't know anybody who was really right. friends with a lot of these shooters. So, um, I would hazard to Why say that wall. probably for mental health reasons, loneliness is probably a lot worse on somebody than actually being bullied because at least you're yeah getting, like, at least you're getting some attention right. but i mean neither neither one of them is great but i mean i guess if you had to choose between the two i guess yeah, i don't know right um yeah. loneliness, loneliness i mean like when you're in prison i mean when you're in prison and you do something wrong they isolate you it's it's probably the worst thing for such social creatures to be alone it's probably right. the worst thing well, I just saw a news story the other day. I know that they, like R. Kelly, R. Kelly was just, um, I don't know, he was sentenced to, I don't know, 30 years in prison or whatever. And so they yeah, put him on suicide yeah. watch. And I guess the, I guess his lawyers are trying to sue the the prison because they're like, you know, when you're on suicide watch, you're isolated. And so they're like, he doesn't want to be isolated. Wow. He doesn't need to be isolated. And so that was kind of their whole point was, you know, um, get him back into at least being able to, to be with people. There's no reason he should be yeah. on suicide watch. He's not suicidal. He's never talked about committing suicide or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think, um, and that that's exactly what happened in that story that I told you about Helena in Russia. You know, she was just kind of put in a room and forgotten and just kind of left there. Well, of course she's going to lash out at people because nobody pays her any attention. So I was probably the first person that went in there. And really yeah, just kind right. of sat with her for yep. no reason other than to to blow bubbles and just to kind of sit there and talk to her. Even though I couldn't yeah. talk to her. Yeah. You know, I, think it was... I get it. Yeah. I think it's really important to have almost like a tribe, right? You need, you need friends. You need that social mesh. You, you need to have friends in this life for sure in order to get by. Someone with the same beliefs with the same hobbies someone you can talk to yeah i just think that loneliness would would end up terribly wrong and there would be a lot a lot of residual effects um no one loved me right right I mean, well, that's exactly that it you know happened. yeah and so then i then i think a lot of these people who are lonely um lash out because you know it's not fair that people love you and they don't love me kind of thing, you know? 
Yeah, nobody seeing the world as nobody cares if I'm gone. That, that's you know that's a lot of things I hear is nobody would care if I was gone. You know. Yeah, yeah that's Lord. That's got to be very tough. Like to get to that mindset to where you actually you know end your own life. What's the saying? It's like a um, a temporary problem and a, a permanent solution. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. These yeah. I, I I mean, I've been down some some dark holes, but and I try to be empathetic. You know, people must be going through some some really hard shit if if they actually go through with it. You know, like there's no other answer. Everything sucks. I mean being dead is better than being alive that we have to try and resolve that for right sure. right yeah i said that i don't know yeah. all the answers but like i said <laughs> you know uh, yeah. just kind of, one of the things it's i've it's tough yeah one of the things i've done um in arizona you know as a clown i also work with a lot of seniors so i go into um a lot of senior living resorts and a lot of senior living places. And and I work a lot with the seniors. And um, so that's what I do mainly during the day, whenever I'm not traveling somewhere is I'm working with uh, seniors, whether it's planning parties or doing activities or doing other things. And so I recently left one, I've been working there for like two and a half years. And I never really thought, you know, I just thought, okay, I'm just there to have fun and to make sure that they're having fun and um, to bring joy to everybody. And, when I left after two years, I mean, I just saw how devastated these people were. I mean, I got letters upon letters from all of the the people at this senior living place. And, you know, it was amazing how just doing the things that I was doing was actually affecting and changing their lives. And I, and I never really saw that. Yeah. Um, you made a giant impact. Yeah. And so then I felt bad, of course, because I, <laughs> I left. Uh, right. But at the same time. I left that particular place because I found another place that was in more need. I, I found a place that was very dark gotcha. and very dreary and uh, uh, really yeah. needed uh, a pick me up. And so that's kind of, I guess I can consider myself a clown missionary. I go where I feel I needed at that particular moment in time. Yeah. And I felt I did what I could do for the community that I was at. Now I found another community who really, really needs, um, that love and attention. And so now it's my turn to, to give that love and attention to to a whole new community and, and try to get them to, to, to brighten up. So that's, um, so it's, it's amazing the impact we have on others. And a lot of times we never know it. We never, we never know what kind of an impact we're having on somebody else, good or bad. That is true. That is true. Yes. You don't know. So you might as well just keep doing the right thing. Keep doing <laughs> things that make people happy. I mean, exactly. I mean, just like the the example you gave, you didn't know how much it meant to them. And probably a lot of people out here, we have no idea what it means to people, but rest assured, I'm sure you're, you're making an impact. So keep doing what you're doing. You bullseye yourself. I mean, geez, you're doing some great work, man. You're, you're doing God's work. If you believe in God or I do, I'm trying. (laughs) Well, you know, I I was telling somebody, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, it's pretty sad when you, you, you pray to God and you say, Hey, you know, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. What can I do to make a difference? And then God says to you, I want you to become a clown. And you're like, say what? 
<laughs> I, I don't I don't think I heard you I don't think I heard you correctly so I'm going to pray again and see if I get a different result lost in translation <laughs> yeah, yeah some some didn't quite compute so let me try this again <laughs> so I'd imagine when you go to like these uh these retirement homes that most is going to be like loneliness or is there a lot of bullying in older people? I've been surprised before. This is why I'm asking. I think I know the answer, but believe it or not, there is, there actually is, you know, you get, you get these little clusters of seniors who uh, they think they, they run this place, you know, (laughs) and so you do get that. And I, and I was really stunned. I mean, you know, and, Actually, give me your pages. The the very first place I released my book and the very first book signing I did was at a senior community, and it was amazing that people came up and say, oh, "I wouldn't have moved to this community, you know, I would have stayed at my other community had I known that I could say this or that oh I could God. do this or you know." And actually, one of the people at the community that I was working at had left um, about a week after I released the book. Um, I gave her the book. And then she moved out. And then after she read the book, she moved back into the community because she said now that she no felt way. More, yeah, she felt more <laughs> empowered to stand up for herself in this other community. And she's like, you know what? Why should I move away from my friends? Because I'm being bullied by someone. So she decided to come back. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love to hear that. That's such a good story. But Bullseye, what do you say, man? Let's wrap it up here. Um, I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for, for having about me. an hour. I mean, yeah, I mean, there is so much information you gave us, and I hope it impacts at least one listener's life. I'm sure it will. That's all I mean, it takes is just one. Being the host, you impacted, you impacted my life. So, I mean, job well done. Um, is there any social media platforms you're on that you want to go ahead and list off or uh, ways that people can contact you or any resources that you'd like to suggest? Oh, sure. I mean, like I said, uh, my Facebook page uh, is Bullseye the Clown. Um, all. Actually, I think the actual uh, the actual username is uh, Bullseye the Clown on bullying uh, is the, the mm-hmm. username for that. Uh, also, Bullseye the Clown on um, Instagram. Uh, you can visit me at bullseyetheclown.com because it actually has a listing of all that. You can also catch me as Bullseye the Clown on YouTube. And uh, my book yes. is on Amazon.com. So Bullseye on Bullying Amazon. uh, is on Amazon.com. You can get it in regular book, paperback, or uh, Kindle. Perfect. Go pick up a copy now, listeners. Appreciate you. Thank you, Bullseye, so much. Everyone, happy Independence Day if you're in America. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.